Welcome. You're listening to Blood Advances Talks. Blood Advances Talks are scholarly review articles that are presented in an audio format and published in the American Society of Hematology's open access journal, Blood Advances. Transcripts for Blood Advances Talks undergo the same rigorous peer review process as all articles published in Blood Advances and can be downloaded by visiting bloodadvances.org. We thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. My name is Agnes Lee from the Department of Medicine at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. The title of my talk is The Changing Landscape of Anticoagulation in Cancer-Associated Thrombosis. I've received research funding from BMS and have performed consultancy and served on advisory boards for Bayer, BMS, Leo Pharma, and Pfizer. I'm a member of clinical practice guideline panels or guidance documents for ASH, ASCO, ISTH, and the Medical Services Commission of British Columbia. In patients with cancer, the introduction of direct growth anticoagulants, or DOACs, is an important milestone for improving care. However, use of these drugs in certain oncology populations can result in poor outcomes and a thorough understanding of the evidence is necessary to maximize benefit and minimize harm. Monotherapy with low molecular weight heparin is more efficacious than vitamin K antagonist therapy for treatment of cancer-associated thrombosis, and it remains a reliable and evidence-proven therapy. Its main limitations are the cost and inconvenience of daily subcutaneous injections, but its main advantages include ease of dose titration, lack of drug-drug interactions, and good tolerance in those with gastrointestinal or GI toxicity or mucosal abnormalities. Evidence to date demonstrates that some DOACs have similar or better efficacy, but a higher risk of clinically significant bleeding compared with low molecular weight heparin. The bleeding risk is particularly high in those with GI malignancies, and bleeding occurs most commonly in the upper GI tract. Drug-drug interactions is another concern for DOACs, especially with the polypharmacy and changing anti-cancer therapies that characterize the journey of many patients living with cancer. However, given the cost of DOACs, vitamin K antagonist therapy is still frequently used, and so clinicians need to remain skilled in vitamin K antagonist dose adjustment and monitoring. Like DOACs, Performance of vitamin K antagonists is unpredictable in those with nausea and vomiting, mucositis, and inflammatory colitis, but it's even more sensitive to drug-drug interactions. DOAC is a welcomed addition to help clinicians individualize anticoagulant therapy in cancer patients with thrombosis. Venous thromboembolism is a common and potentially life-threatening medical complication in patients living with cancer. It can also interfere with cancer treatments, increase healthcare costs, and adds additional emotional and economic burden to patients and their families. As the prevalence of cancer increases with the aging population and the survival of patients with advanced malignancies continue to improve, the burden of cancer-associated thrombosis will grow. 
anticoagulant therapy is the most effective way to reduce this burden. For many decades, patients with or without cancer were treated with the same anticoagulant regimens. The standard of care changed when low molecular weight heparin was shown to be more efficacious in vitamin K antagonist therapy in patients with cancer. But because of the inconvenience and cost of low molecular weight heparin injections, vitamin K antagonist therapy remains widely used for cancer-associated thrombosis. With the introduction of DOAX, long-term treatment with fixed-dose oral regimens that do not require laboratory monitoring became possible. To date, three clinical trials have been completed and published, and several are ongoing to address whether DOAC therapy is effective and safe as low molecular weight heparin therapy. The first trial that addressed this question was the HocuSci VTE cancer trial. This multi-center randomized open-label trial compared standard treatment with low molecular weight heparin with standard edoxan regimen, which needs an initial five days of low molecular weight heparin prior to starting edoxaban. 1,050 cancer patients with symptomatic or incidental proximal DVT or proximal PE were randomized. Randomization was stratified according to the risk of bleeding based on six predefined risk factors and if a dose reduction of adoxaban was required for body weight of 60 kilos or less, renal impairment with a creatinine clearance of 30 to 50, or concomitant treatment with a potent peak glycoprotein inhibitor. All patients were treated for a minimum of six months and up to 12 months per discretion of the treating physician. All suspected outcomes were independently adjudicated by a central committee blinded to treatment assignment. The primary composite outcome was the time to first occurrence of a recurrent thrombotic event or major bleeding. Over the study period, there was no difference in the primary outcome between low molecular heparin and adoxaban at 13.5 and 12.8% respectively, meeting statistical significance for non-inferiority. Secondary analyses also showed there was no significant difference in recurrent thrombosis, but adoxaban was associated with a significantly higher risk of major bleeding throughout the treatment period. A post hoc analysis later showed that the increase in major bleeding with adoxaban was largely seen in patients with GI malignancies at a risk of 12.7% compared with 3.6% with low molecular weight heparin. This increase was not seen in patients with non-GI cancers. GI cancers included esophageal, gastric, hepatobiliary, pancreas, and colorectal. Digging deeper into the data, increased bleeding was not restricted to luminal GI cancers as those with pancreatic cancer had a higher incidence of bleeding on adoxaban than on daltaparin at 11.4% versus 3.6%. Also, patients with any of the six predefined risk factors for bleeding and even those who received a dose-reduced adoxaban were more likely to bleed on adoxaban than low molecular weight heparin. These risk factors were 
primary or metastatic brain tumor, regionally advanced or metastatic cancer, GI or urothelial cancer that had been diagnosed within previous six months, surgery within the previous two weeks, use of antiplatelet agents, or treatment with bevacizumab within the previous six weeks. Among patients with major bleeding events, 60 to 80% required hospitalization or an ICU admission. In Hawkeye cancer, 53% of the patients had metastatic cancer and 72% were on active cancer therapy. Approximately one-third had incidental thrombosis at the qualifying thrombosis event. SELECT-D was originally designed as a phase two open-label pilot study with the first phase designed to compare six months of treatment with rivaroxaban versus low molecular heparin. And the second phase was designed to study optimal duration. Because of low enrollment, the second phase of the study was closed after about a quarter of the total sample size was enrolled. After about half the patients were enrolled, a second protocol amendment occurred to exclude patients with esophageal and gastroesophageal cancers because of a very high rate of major bleeding. Overall, 58% of the patients had metastatic cancer and 52% had incidental thrombosis as the qualifying thrombosis event. With 203 patients randomized to each arm, SELECT-D found that rivaroxaban was associated with a significant reduction in recurrent thrombosis from 11% to 4%, but a non-significant increase in the risk of major bleeding, 6% versus 4%. Like in Honkisite cancer, most of the major bleeding events were from GI or GU tract. In fact, those with gastroesophageal cancer who took rivaroxaban had a very high rate of major bleeding at 36%, and clinically relevant non-major bleeding was also significantly higher with rivaroxaban at 13%. It is also important to remember that because SELECT-D was a pilot trial, it did not adjudicate the primary outcome of recurrent thrombosis during the study. Consequently, Further studies are needed to confirm the preliminary data observed in SELECT-D. The most recent evidence in the use of a DOAC in cancer-associated thrombosis is from the ADAM-VTE trial. In contrast to prior studies, the primary outcome of this randomized open-label trial was major bleeding. 300 patients with cancer-associated thrombosis were randomized to receive apixaban or daltaparin for six months. There were no major bleeding events reported in the apixaban group and 1.4% in the daltaparin group. Risks of recurrent thrombosis were also low at 0.7% and 6.3% respectively. These event rates are lower than other studies in this patient population. The six-month mortality rate in ADAM-VTE at approximately 13%, compared with Hawkeye cancer and SELECT-D both at 26%, and fewer patients with ECOC-2 status in ADAM-VTE indicate that this trial selected for patients with much better prognosis.
Another notable difference from other cancer-associated thrombosis treatment studies is the inclusion of patients with VTE involving cerebral and splanchnic venous circulations. Results from the ongoing and much larger trial, Caravaggio, will provide more evidence on the use of apixaban in the oncology setting. So what have we learned from these studies and how should we apply the evidence to our daily practice? First, there is important heterogeneity in patient populations and methodology among all the clinical trials. Second, bleeding is higher with DOAC use, particularly in those with GI malignancies and it occurs most commonly in the upper GI tract. Third, Drug-drug interactions are important to consider. Patients taking concomitant drugs that are potent peak glycoprotein or CYP3A4 inhibitors were excluded from clinical trials, and they should not receive a DOAC. Fourth, patients who have risk factors for bleeding, such as GI or GU malignancies, renal impairment, need for antiplatelet therapy, are likely to experience more bleeding with DOAC and should be appropriately informed and consulted. Lastly, DOAC are probably best avoided in patients when they have GI issues that can interfere with drug absorption and metabolism, such as mucositis and colitis. GI issues and drug-drug interactions are also significant limitations with vitamin K antagonist therapy which remains in use worldwide in cancer patients with thrombosis and in other clinical settings because of the higher costs of low molecular heparin and direct oral anticoagulants. For patients who do not have access to low molecular heparin or DOAC, vitamin K antagonist therapy is an acceptable alternative in patients whose cancer is in remission, who are not on chemotherapy, and who do not have any GI or dietary concerns. Although vitamin K antagonist therapy is even more sensitive to drug-drug interactions than DOACs, the dose can be titrated based on laboratory monitoring. Consequently, clinicians need to remain skilled in vitamin K antagonist dose adjustment and monitoring. Clinical practice guidelines from ASCO, NCCN, ITAC, and ISTH have now been published to provide guidance. They are all consistent with recommending adoxaban and rivaroxaban as an alternative for treatment of cancer-associated thrombosis and choosing the anticoagulant that best fits the patient based on the tumor type, the risk of bleeding, and the presence of drug-drug interactions. Patient preferences, values, and life expectancy are also critical in decision-making as is frequent reassessment and whenever there are changes in cancer treatment or cancer status. Careful selection of the best fit anticoagulant in each patient will improve the risk-benefit profile in all patients. Many important clinical questions in the management of cancer patients with thrombosis remain unanswered, but the addition of DOAC to our anticoagulant options is a very welcomed advancement. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Blood Advances Talks. 
please visit bloodadvances.org for more audio reviews and for information on how to subscribe to the Blood Advances Talks podcast. A full transcript of this podcast can be found online. Music for Blood Advances Talks was performed by the Art Topolo Trio and provided by Dr. Art Topolo. This presentation is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology. We thank you for listening.